I think each experience you go through makes you better. Whether you're, <clears throat> I mean, you, you, if you win, like the team we're playing, you know, they've won more than anybody in recent years here, and you, you grow and you learn from that, and there's a lot that comes from that. There's a lot that comes from going through what we've gone through as well, and, and there's growth inside of that. So, you know, whether it's the, the guys who have been through it or the guys who have come in to add, add to the group, you know, collectively, it, uh, it, it feels different. I think that's why you end up on the right side of these things. I don't know. It's a strange game, you know, how, how, how our sport works out. But it uh, certainly feels different. Um, and things tend to go your way when that's the case. But let's not get carried away. We, we've, we've, we've got a tough task ahead here to finish this series off. Game four is always the toughest to win. That is Sheldon Keefe, head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Big win last night in overtime. Big comeback in the third period, down four to one. You know the story. You watched it. You read it. You've thought about it. And I always enjoy watching either coaches or players or fans just try to nail down what is different about this year's edition of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And again, right off the Tampa Bay Lightning at your own peril. It is still the fool who bets against the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though they're down 3-1 to one in this one. But I always take this kind of weird delight in watching people, and I've tried to do it myself too, squirm to try to figure out what exactly is different, try to pinpoint things. What were the moves that the Maple Leafs made uh, that made things different? Now, it certainly does feel different with Ryan O'Reilly in these playoffs if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, He's been uh, a huge addition come playoff time, maybe uh, their most effective and maybe most important player as well. Uh, the play of Ilya Samsonov is not to be discounted as well. He's been flat out outstanding specifically uh, in game three where he, Kelly Rudy, if you're listening, don't hear this one. Don't listen, Kelly Rudy. Don't listen to Kelly Rudy because you always tell me the goalies are part of the team and you shouldn't be embarrassed by that. Stole the game in game three. But really when it comes down to it for the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's this. This team is only going to go anywhere if... The core players, the ones they have identified and compensated and gambled on, continue to grow, mature, and develop into high-end playoff performers. That is Matthews. That is Marner. That is Nylander. That is Morgan Riley. That is John Tavares. And now you add Ryan O'Reilly to that mix, who has been nothing short of outstanding. And speaking of outstanding, uh, I know this is, oh, uh, here you go, the Sportsnet guy uh, patting Sportsnet on, their, on, uh, on, on Sportsnet's back. But Derek Lalone has been outstanding on the intermissions. Detroit Red Wings head coach, it's almost to the point now where, you know, uh, do you have to go coach at the World Championships? you want to stick around? Maybe for at least one more round of the playoffs. It's only the Worlds. This is the Stanley Cup, right? He's been excellent. Uh, Case in point last night, talking about point shots on Andre Vasilevsky. Have a listen to the Detroit Red Wings coach on it. Uh, Well, the tips are a big thing. Yeah. It's not his very few weaknesses. In one thing, actually, we did a study back in the day. He was uh, one of the lower percentage goalies in finding pucks from the points. We actually changed our entire D zone and we improved our pass rush. But yeah, not him. This is just, I give total credit to Toronto. This was a different field than their win yesterday. Mm -hmm. 
It was quite a comeback yesterday by the Maple Leafs. So we'll get into this with uh, with Elliot Friedman coming up in a couple of moments. One other thing that I want to talk about here, right off the uh, the top, and we'll pick this up with Frege after the uh, after the quick pause. Um, Kale McCarr on Jared McCann. Now, first of all, we know he's having a hearing. I'm not sure whether that is going on right now. If they want to do it before Colorado flies out, or they're going to do it when he gets back to Denver, I don't know. Um, but he is having a hearing today about the the late hit on Jared McCann. A couple of things here. I was quite surprised that that was a initially a five that turned into a two. A lot of these calls, I can understand having the call reduced. Like I understood, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad they're calling the five so they can have a, have a look at it here. And that is the referees who make this call. This doesn't go to Toronto. They're not told what the call is. These are the referees that are making these calls. I was surprised this was a this this the that the five was rescinded and it turned into a two. Um, I don't think again. It's always a difficult game throwing darts around playoff time and what suspensions are going to be. Um, but Kale McCarr is going to be suspended. To me, the sweet spot here feels like two games. The most recent suspension we saw was Michael Bunting for the hit on Eric Cernak. And that was essentially, that was three games because it was two infractions. One was the interference and the other was the hit to the head. So that equaled three. This one I don't think is going to be one. Um, because as someone mentioned to me earlier today, it's always a bad look when the hit is delivered as someone, as a fan in the stands, is catching the puck. Um, this one was late. This one was late, and this one and this one hurts, and, and Jared McCann's not going to be available uh, for Game 5 and, and maybe beyond for the Seattle Kraken. This one I don't think rises to three, but feels more like a two-game suspension uh, for Kale McCarr. And again, I still have no idea why the officials took the five and turned it into two, but it sounds like the Department of Player Safety and George Peros is going to turn this into maybe a two-game suspension. Welcome to the Merrick Show. Elliot's on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I want to make one promise to you, Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada, and I want to make the promise early in this conversation. Okay. I'm not going to try, but as Bart Simpson once said, I'm going to try to try to not mention Daniel Sprong. With the goal and the assist and just barely over 10 minutes of ice last night for the Seattle Kraken. Not going to make any promises. I'm going to try to try to not mention Daniel Sprong. And there you go. I've already failed. Um, But a couple of things in that game last night, and I just mentioned Kale McCarr, and I don't know that this rises to three because bunting was essentially two infractions. Um, And I don't think it's one. I'm really surprised that the officials turned the five into two on the play. McCann is out, as Dave Haxtell said yesterday, uh, at least for game five, maybe beyond. This one feels like a two-gamer for Kale McCarr. How did you see the whole thing? And what do you think happens here? I I know sometimes this this is a fool's game, guessing at suspensions, but how is it to you? Well, I think the injury is a big factor. The injury was a big factor on bunting, and I think the injury on McCann will be a big factor. I know some people don't like that. They say the act should be punished, not the result. But our whole legal system is kind of based that way, right? Like the the penalty for a, a, a more serious crime is higher than a penalty for a crime where there really aren't injuries. So that's just the way life works. 
So I do think injuries are a factor. I've seen a lot of comparisons to Dale Hunter. Um, you know, I don't buy that, and I'll um, tell you why. On Pierre Turgeon. Hang on, hang yeah. on. Just, 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 just for our listeners, though, that's, that's Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon. That would have been 92 or 93. That's 93. Washington Islanders. Yeah, 93. And, uh, and, and just Hunter drilled him right from behind. Like, you know, actually, if you look at it, McCarr, he has McCann lined up but he waits until it's shoulder to shoulder. Like he doesn't bury him from behind. He doesn't go for the head. Um, he actually does it properly, except for the fact it's really late. And, you know, late is not clean. And, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't heard the natural sound. I don't know when the whistle went or didn't go. But as you said, the puck is in the crowd and the can is kind of given up on the play. So, um, I think it's late. Late matters. The puck isn't there. And uh, because of the injury, I think he'll get uh, a game or two. Uh, I, I don't, uh, um, you know, I, I think if he hadn't been hurt, maybe McCarr just gets away with the penalty. But because of the injury, I think he's going to get a game or two. And, and suddenly, you know, Colorado is, is, is really, first of all, Seattle's giving them everything they can handle. And now, you know, Colorado's down personnel, too. With no Landeskog and yeah. and you know Nichushkin, I, I just don't think he's going to be available. I'm not exactly sure on all the details here, and I I don't want to guess, but I'm I don't think he's going to be available for some time. Yeah, Jared Bednar was asked, you know, uh, if slash when he'd be available, and and the only comment was, I don't know. You know, would he yeah. be available at any point? I don't know. Is the uh, is the final comment there? And you know, just just, I, just I, to wrap up, since we're talking about Jeff this, yeah. I just don't think it's it's really yeah. even on the radar. Right. Okay. Well, um, whatever is happening there, we uh, we certainly wish uh, Valerian yeah. Chushkin the best. Um, Quick follow up on that uh, on that game. All of a sudden, we have a series here, and you know Jordan Eberle is used to scoring big goals. Uh, we've seen it going back to the World Juniors in in Ottawa in the semifinal against Russia in the in the dying seconds. And there's Jordan Eberle, uh, the Wiley veteran, with the OT winner as Seattle surprises Colorado. And all of a sudden, Elliot, this this track meet of a series, because again last night that was a fast game, is now best two out of three. Yeah, it's, um, you know, like we talked about how, you know, Colorado had the advantage of the elite talent that, um, you know, Seattle just doesn't have uh, anyone at Colorado's best level when it comes to their players. Well, now you're you're 2-2 in the series and you're going to be missing the car maybe for a game, if not two. Uh, So that, I mean, that would obviously be a huge loss for the Avalanche. And the thing about series like this one like you'll remember Patrick was last playoff series was when Colorado lost to Minnesota and this yep. kind of reminds me of it you know the avalanche were the the huge favorites they had all those hall of famers Minnesota was uh, Jacques Lemaire's gang of misfit toys playing a disciplined system <laughs> and as as the series as the series went along they began to believe more and more, right? And, you know, that's what that game is going to do for Seattle. Suddenly Seattle's going to look around. They're going to say, look, it's, it's 2-2. Um, you know, Colorado's banged up. They're missing guys. You know, we can do this. As, as a series like that continues, 
a, a team like the Kraken, they grow in terms of what they believe. Their, their, their willingness to believe, at the beginning, you're like, okay, if we do all of this, we can stay in it. Now you're sitting there and saying, if we continue to do this, we can win it. And I think that's where the Kraken are, are going right now. You ready for a spot quiz? Sure. Do you remember who scored the last goal in that series on Patrick Waugh? Last goal ever scored against Patrick Waugh. I believe the overtime winner was scored by Andrew Burnett. You nailed it. Your game is tight, right. Fridge. I'm impressed. Yeah. Very impressed. I, uh, Bruno got the goal. Andrew Burnett. Very good. I remember that goal. I, I was watching it. I don't remember where I was, but I was watching it from a bar, I know, and the sound was off. Shocking. We were watching it on TV, I know. <laughs> Big stunner. But we were watching it on TV, and I just remember the yeah. wild celebration as they, as they won it. Crazy times. Okay, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs have now won three games in a row against the Tampa yeah. Bay Lightning. Their job is to win four games in a row. And listen, I mentioned off the top, is the fool that bets against the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, right off Tampa at your own peril. Um, but I- I'll tell you, you know, game three was all about uh, Samsonoff and O'Reilly. Um, last night was cue the comeback down four to one, 10 minutes left. Normally that's checkout time for a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Uh, time to leave Maple Leaf square, time to see what's in the fridge, uh, time to see what's happening with the other games. Maybe check your emails, maybe tuck in early. Um, you know, Matthews with a pair cues the comeback, uh, Alex Kerfoot with uh, the overtime heroics on the tip, Derek Lalone. Uh, mentioning, you know, redoing the defensive formation based on tips and 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 uh, visualizing pucks uh, from the point. Really, another great intermission by him. Um, your thoughts on what happened yesterday? Because that, I'll be blunt, and I think uh, this is echoed everywhere. That did not feel like a Maple Leafs game that people are used to, and maybe people should get used to that being a Maple Leafs game. Yeah, you know. Um... <clears throat> Like, what a couple of games. Um, what a couple of games for for Toronto. I mean, look, I know everybody everybody in, in Leaf Nation is excited today, and this team is different and everything, and certainly it looks different. You know, I, I, like, those are two impressive victories. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. the one thing I believe is if you're going to win 16 in the playoffs, you're going to have games like Game 3, and game four. And I don't care how you win them as long as you win them. And I, and, and those were, and those were games Toronto would have lost for a long time. Um, you know, I think you just have to be careful. Like I remember when it was three to one against Montreal and people were saying they have finally broken through and, and we all know what happened there. And <laughs> when they led, when they led Boston three to two and came home for that Sunday afternoon game six and, this is our time. And, you know, like this sure looks different and it feels different and it really seems different, but uh, you know, you got to wait till you get that fourth one. I mean, I loved Matthews in the post game last night, totally deadpan, no emotion. He just played his Like he just played his biggest game as a Maple Leaf. Like he, like he, like that was his signature moment in Toronto. Like when people think about Matthews now, they're not going to think about 60 goals. They're going to think about that game if they close out the series. 
And all he was talking about was the fourth is the hardest to win. There, and, and that's it. Like, this is business. Like, there's no celebration right now for them. This is business. Now, I mean, the whole thing is really interesting about, you know, what Derek Lalone said last night, and Sheldon Keith confirmed it this morning, basically saying there is some information they had, yes. Um, but, you know, the one, one of the things that we talked about in this series was it looked like for the first time Toronto was a deeper team than Tampa. And that sure is looking like the way it is right now. I, I think they're deeper, and I think, I, I think that's a major difference. You know, there's um, th- there's one player that I keep swinging back on here, and I think a lot of us do, and we, we certainly did in, in Game 3, and that is the presence of Ryan O'Reilly. Now, I know that yeah. this wasn't, you know, a, a spectacular season for Ryan O'Reilly, either in St. Louis uh, or in Toronto, but, you know, what's the old Bergevin line? Some players get you there and some players get you through. I mean, I don't know. Like last night was spectacular by Austin Matthews. Make no mistake about it. Ilya Samsonov has been excellent outside of Game One for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the guy that I keep swinging back to here, I want to get to Matthew Nyes in, in a second and talk about the the bunting situation. But um, the guy that I keep swinging back to is Ryan O'Reilly, and just how different the Maple Leafs look and play and feel with him in the lineup. And again, case in point, last night, I know Morgan Riley was great, the shot, Kerfer with the tip, and Matthews goals, etc. But so much of this is happening because of Ryan O'Reilly for each. I think, I think O'Reilly has been huge. Like, you know, we talked about this the other day. You take a look at all of the players the Leafs have brought in over the last few years to get uh, these, this young group over the hump. Um, and O'Reilly's had the biggest impact on the ice. Like, I think a lot of guys like Hainsey, Thornton, Spezza, they had huge impacts at times on and off the ice. But in the biggest minutes in the playoffs, nobody's had a signature moment like O'Reilly has. And you know what? After O'Reilly, Shen might be second. Like, you know, he's, he's had a monster of a series. He has played uh, extremely well. Um, like with his presence and, and just the way he's played. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, like I said, I, I just think they're deeper. I, you know, when you look, you look at, you know, you look at what, like second units, for example, you take, when the, when the first unit power play is off the ice for Toronto and Tampa, uh, you know, Toronto's group, especially with Nylander on it, it looks better when, the first group of power uh, penalty kill people are off the ice for Toronto and Tampa. Toronto's group looks deeper. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that, and the, and the deeper you go down the lineup, Toronto's group looks yeah. deeper. And I think that's been a, a huge difference. And, and it's, it's important, you know, Sa- Samsonov in the biggest moments has been the better goalie. And we haven't seen that a lot against anyone in Vasilevsky the last three years. Yeah, uh, bracket Vasilevsky for a second. I want to swing there in one second, but um, Sheldon Keefe on on Matthew Nyes, and this is all under the umbrella of, you know, the Michael Bunting suspension is now over. Quotes, 
Matthew Nyes is certainly not coming out of the lineup. He's done a terrific job for us. He's a guy that has definitely earned his spot and the opportunity to continue to play. At shift in, shift out, it, like the kid is growing in confidence and making plays and pulling pucks off, you know, yeah. off, the, off the red line behind Samsonov and like every single shift. And listen, again, I'm going to swing back on O'Reilly here. I think a lot of it's because of Ryan O'Reilly, but still, um, I, you can't do it. You can't take this kid out. He's too no, good, and, and you I, just know I, the points I, are going to come, like the way he's playing. Like, no way. No, you're not taking him out. I mean, as you said, he probably made the single biggest play of the game last night in, in sweeping that puck off the goal line. Um, well, yeah. also, now he's a top six forward. He's He was started as a third liner, and you know, now yeah. he's playing with Tavares and Nylander or Marner, whatever combination he's throwing out there. Like, at this time of year, you can't fool people, right? Everybody knows who deserves to be in the lineup. And he deserves to stay in. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like, you know that Keith is not taking out anybody who can play center. So Kerfoot's not coming out. I mean, especially not after last night. And and we all know Keith loves Kerfoot. Kerfoot's not coming out. Achari's not coming out. It was a good game. Good game. Uh, Comp's not coming out. And, and, you know, Achari's not coming out. Well, I gotta think it's either Aston Reese or Lafferty or something like that. Like I gotta think that's who it is. Yeah, it's uh, they have an extra day, so uh, I'm sure Maple Leafs fans will be quite calm about the entire conversation <laughs> for the extra day here, and I'll just put it on put it on the back burner. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, meanwhile. Oh, anything else on Toronto? You want to get off your chest, or are we good to move on? No, no, like you know, I, like look, like. Like, you can you can feel like I'm just I was just walking around my neighborhood, and you could you could see just by that like the the people they're they're all really yeah. excited. You know I, I I just I love the way again I I love the way Matthews played last night and I love the way he was in the post. Like there's nothing to celebrate here. You got to win the fourth one. Like we all know that in in this city we all know that by now. Uh, that is true. Um, backs against the wall time for the Winnipeg Jets. And Mark Shifley leaves the game. And they get doubled up by the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's Brett Howden with a pair of goals. Laurent Bossois, excellent uh, in this one as well. No tomorrow. Backs against the wall. All the cliches apply. You know, I always wonder, you know, and maybe the real answer is goaltender, but whenever a team loses their number one defenseman, like you look yeah. at how different... Tampa looked at game two without Victor Hedman. And you look at the Winnipeg Jets without Josh Morrissey. This is a story, Elliot, we've seen so many different times. When you lose your big dog on the blue line, the effects are everywhere. And is that what you're seeing with the Winnipeg Jets? We know about the injuries and Ehlers, etc., but losing Josh Morrissey is a real tough one for Winnipeg. Yes, it is huge. But the thing is, like, you know, like like Vegas has nothing to apologize for. I mean, that's part of the no. attrition in the playoffs. But I just look at this Winnipeg team, and you're sitting there and you're going, "What's what's next? Like like what is going to happen next?" And you know, Morrissey tries to play, he lasts a shift. Shifley tries to play, he lasts a shift. You know, we don't have healers. We don't have Fofetti. Um, you know, you're you're absolutely running out of people. And, like, you know, if, if you're the Jets right now, you cannot fault the effort. Like, they are, like, they're, they're, 
They they came back from four one down and lost in double overtime on Saturday. They it was a one goal game yesterday. There was nothing that late, but like yeah. they, they've done yeah. every like everybody like they've done everything they can to give everything they have uh, and and make life difficult for Vegas. Like they have made Vegas earn it, but. You know, like, I just think you reach a point, like, you can't, like, look at that Vegas lineup. It, it's such a good lineup. And, and and you talk about missing number one D. Well, Vegas's number one guy is playing great. You know, Petrangelo yeah. looks like 2019 Stanley Cup winner Petrangelo right now. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's uh, like, it's just, I mean, it's just the most frustrating, infuriating thing because there's no doubt the Jets are thinking the way we're playing, if we were healthy, we'd be right in this series. And now they're on the brink. Yeah. Top sledding uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. And then the real questions begin once this uh, series is over. They're down 3-1 uh, to one to the uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights after last night. Um, all right, New Jersey Devils and New York Rangers. This is like that. Remember that Calder Cup series? I'm trying to remember what year it was. Where it was Adirondack versus St. John's. And it was the best of seven, and it went seven. Adirondack won, and not a single home team won any of the seven games. That's what this one feels like. Uh, the Rangers are winning at the Rock, and the Devils are winning at MSG. Three to one is the final. Um, we talked about Akira Schmidt yesterday. He's the net mind, number one netminder yeah. for New Jersey. Period. And the other player distinguishing himself here rather quickly, and he already has in the regular season. What a breakout season for Jack Hughes. He's been excellent in the postseason as well. Any concerns about size or immaturity or inexperience in the postseason? Jack Hughes has been great. Scores his uh, third goal of the playoffs last night. Uh, New Jersey wins three games to one. And, you know, after the game, Gerard Gallant just said something along the lines of, I liked our goaltender and I liked the kid line. After that, I didn't like anything. Yeah, he really threw down the gauntlet, his guys. There's no question about that. Uh, you, you can go to that once a series maybe. And, uh, you know, Gerard Gallant has gone to that now. Um, this is why I, I really believe that one of the most important things for any athlete is confidence. Whether it's quiet confidence or brashness, you, you have to have it. Yeah? Because you can see that Akira Schmidt's got that quiet confidence and Jack Hughes has that yeah. brashness, right? And, um, you know, it, so their confidence works in different ways, but it works. And, you know, that Schmid walks into a, like, like that's, what, what would you say? That's the, that's the biggest venue in, in, in North American sport, Madison oh. Square Garden. MSG? He, yeah. Oh. He walks in there and, and, I, and down 2 nothing, and he, and he wins two in a row. And it's not like they were scoring a ton of goals for him. Like, there wasn't a lot of room to be bad. Not a lot. And, and Hughes is so good on that. That stage, um, I mean, look like I, I like like to, like to me, it's going to come down to which of these teams really starts to score again. Like these are really low-scoring games, and mm. they're tight. And I, I like you know the, the team that's going to win here is someone's going to put up a five, I think, or a four in one of these last two or three games. And that's the team that wins the series because there's too much offense here. Too much. 
Uh, there is, and and now it is the best two out of three. One, one thing, um, off the uh, off the playoff map here that I, you had mentioned this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. The Anaheim Ducks have a new head coach for the San Diego Gulls, their American Hockey League affiliate, but is someone that we should very much keep our eye on, Matt McIlvain, uh, who comes in from Austria to coach the minor league team. Why should we keep our eyes on this one? So this is Pat Verbeek's quote-unquote guy. This is so during the season this year when, like, they so they brought in Roy Sommer to coach their American Hockey League team this year. And, uh, you know, for those of you who know the AHL, Sommer's the winningest coach in AHL history. They gave him a one-year deal. Sommer, he came over from San Jose, and, you know, he coached one year, and then he retired. But one of the reasons, during the season, some people were mentioning that one of the reasons that he only got a year was because Pat Verbeek had his eye on someone um, who he saw, uh, who he, he really liked, who he really believed was going to be potentially the future coach of the Ducks, the NHL Ducks, but he had a contract. And during the year, a couple of people told me that that guy was Matt McIlvain, who coached this year in Austria, Salzburg, I believe. And so, like, there were a number of people who said to me, when, when his contract's up, who's going to be in the Anaheim organization, uh, likely starting in the AHL? And... I'm glad to report, Jeff, that one thing I actually said this year turned out to be correct because that's exactly uh, what's, <laughs> what's happened. And, you know, like, this yep. is someone, like, I don't know. That, I'm sure we'll figure out, we'll hear more about the history between the two now and why Verbeek really likes him. Mm. But, uh, like, someone's, and, boy, this is going to be a tough one. Like, this this comparison will, might, I, I'm not sure they're going to like me saying this, but... Some, what someone said to me this year was, like, Verbeek saw McIlvain as, like, his John Cooper. So, you know, we'll see where this all goes, and wow. and we'll hear what they all have to say. But that's the guy that Verbeek has liked for some time. And like I said, that's nice. Yeah. Something I said actually turned out to be true. All right. Well, well done. Congratulations. Um, you nailed that one. You know, they also still have a head coaching position um, yeah. with the Anaheim Ducks uh, to fill here as well. And that's going to be an interesting dynamic when, you know, Verbeek's handpicked, maybe future, you know, John Cooper is sitting in AHL San Diego uh, and you're the guy coming in to coach the big team. It kind of makes for an interesting dynamic, does it not? Well, the, the one thing I'll always say is like, like you have to get there first. Like, you can say, okay, this is a guy I really believe in, but now you've got to show you can do the job at this level and then take the jump. Like I would, like I, yep. like I would say to someone, if you're afraid to take that job, I mean, the only reason I think that anyone might be wary of the Ducks' job is that you're not going to be set up to win there for a while. Like I think that's probably, yep. you know, there's only 32 of these, so somebody's going to want it, but you're not going to be in a position where you can win for a while. So that's, that's probably the only concern. You shouldn't be afraid. Like like if it was me, I would just say, give me the chance. If I really believed I could succeed there. I think most, if not all coaches are the exact same way. Just give me the job. I'll show you what I can do. Uh, Islanders hurricanes tonight, wild stars, Kings and the Oilers, Louis DeBrusque coming up in a couple of moments. Uh, Before I let you go, which of these games tonight do you feel the spiciest about Elliot? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Like, like, 
I mean, well, Minnesota, Dallas, and I would rank them in order: Kings, Oilers, because I'm working that one. So you know, because I'm I'm working it, I'll say it's the most interesting because it's me. Uh, number two, uh, yeah, no, believe me, that's not the reason it's the most interesting. I can assure you of that. I mean, Wild Dallas has been just an an incredible series, and uh, you can't tear yourself away from it. And you know, sorry, Hurricanes Islanders fans, I. I I'd rank it third, but you know, hey, like the Islanders, gotta stay alive, and and uh, you know, like we've had one signature, like we've had like three three signature Carolina performances, and one signature Islander mm. performance, and that's why we are where we are. Yes, um, need goals on the power play. Thank you. All right, we'll uh, we'll hit a break there. Thanks for each. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll watch for you on the Magic uh-huh. Eyeball tonight. All right, buddy. Take care. Sweet to you there. Uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. 